everyone, this is Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Welcome to the Beyond Bitcoin Show. Today is September the 7th, 2019. Strong hand, unconfiscatable. Bitcoin is the next Bitcoin. Personal responsibility is a new counterculture. Deferral of gratification, conviction, golden age. We're going to talk about that deferral of gratification quite a bit tonight. Remember, this is the Beyond Bitcoin show. We're going to talk a little bit of Bitcoin here and there, but it's mostly subjects beyond Bitcoin. Health, a little bit of politics, philosophy, all sorts of stuff. But do check out the links below. Fridays, this week in Bitcoin was a little bit different. We had Yanni Azia on uh, from eToro. Yeah, the CEO of freaking eToro was on this show. So the guy, he is he believes in Bitcoin, but he believes in a multi-coin future. He owns a company that trades cryptocurrency. So it's a different perspective. You got to open your mind a little bit. Um, again, I definitely did not agree with everything he said, but I get different, different views on here. He is a smart guy. He is a respected guy in the space, uh, and he's done quite well for himself. And he goes beyond cryptocurrency trading. He goes, he trades... Uh, his company trades regular uh, and regular markets, all regular markets, traditional, traditional markets also. So it's something to check out. It's something to check out. It's a different perspective. Definitely don't agree with him on a, on a lot, uh, but he's he's into stable coins. Check it out. Yeah, all right. Pound that like button. Let's first of all take a step back to last week's Beyond Bitcoin show. Again, it's in the archives. Go to disruptmeister.com. Follow me on at Twitter, techwalt, T-E-C-H-B-A-L-T. You'll see all this stuff. Uh, but I forgot to say, and when we were talking about democracy uh, last time, some people really think that uh, the 51% being the bossy people, uh, that, that that's freedom. When reality, in reality, that it's theft, okay? People, a lot of people, they hear the, they hear the word democracy. You explain to them to what it is, what it is. Well, the 51% can just boss around the 49%. They think, well, that's fair. That's good. A lot of people have nothing. They find nothing morally wrong with that. <laughs> they don't understand that it, it, it ends in theft. It ends in, gets real nasty when the, when the 50, some people are very bossy people. They're, they're obsessed with power. Ugh. God Almighty. But yeah, you can, if you think, again, we, we talked last week about democracy's got this, uh, all these warm feelings around it because people think we live in a democracy. But really, it's, it's, it gets real nasty uh, when, the, when the majority can totally start making up rules to destroy the, the minority, to, to put them under the thumb and to steal from them. All right, so yeah, democracy, not good. All right, moving on. Local newspaper model, it's dead, okay? Like in Baltimore, where I'm from, and right now I'm in Tel Aviv, baby, but I will be back in Baltimore for the high holidays. Uh, I'll be back uh, September 26th, actually, uh, and I'll be there till October 15th, and I'm off to Australia. We'll talk about that more later. So, no, the local newspaper model is dead, but so many lo local newspapers, they've got a lot of overhead. Uh, they've got union contracts. They got big buildings. It's it's horrible, and so they're trying to guilt, they're trying to guilt their cities and the bailouts and uh, that they're the victims here. It, the world is a changing, and so the Baltimore Sun has had a byline strike or something lately, and 
and there are some people that are brainwashed into this. They're like, yes, we need a local newspaper. A local newspaper, it gets rid of corruption. Look how the sun exposed, and they did expose the, the healthy Holly thing. That was one thing they did. They're like, but this Baltimore sun takes care of corruption. If you really, you think the Baltimore sun is controlling the corruption in Baltimore? Of all places, have you looked around Baltimore lately? And you, you think that the, the, the local news, because there's a local newspaper, there's no corruption? Oh my Lord. Oh, and this goes in any, any major city. These local newspapers, they, what do they think? It's, it's bunches of fluff pieces now. It's nonsense. It's old news. This, or you have to get to a, behind a paywall. It's all time delayed in the new world that we live in. And they're not stopping any. Sure, they might expose a, a story here and there, uh, some corruption. These cities are filled with corrupt individuals in the, in the bloated, horrible bureaucracies. You could tell within one, you could tell real fast with, when you're walking around the streets, there's, there's something wrong in many of these major cities in America. And it leads, unfortunately, into these big bureaucracies. And clearly these local papers aren't doing supposedly their job anymore, okay? It's old, it's over. It's a, we need, you need to be nimble here. So what I recommend, I, the way I see local news, now again, this is not, and even the local news stations, I don't, I don't watch TV, um, but, but a, few, a few times I've heard that, you know, it's, it's a bunch of fluff pieces there. It's the weather, it's the sports, it's the this, it's the that. It, it, it's so, and people aren't watching that anymore either. So we're, we're transitioning to a new time where media, local media, I would advise, um, the new model is for youth. Uh, if, you're, if you're in college, if you're a college-age person, become a do-it-yourself reporter. I mean, you've got the energy. You've got the free time. You don't have the commitments. You, you, you don't have family to take care of yet. Maybe uh, during a semester off or a summer off, you start. Do, anyone can research a story, okay? I, I mean, I used to do blogs in Baltimore. I would find out so much stuff. It was so easy. And again, you could do this in any... And you can make YouTube videos about it. And you just uh, you put it out on Twitter. You don't need to have a, a big location. You don't need a printing press. It's minute-by-minute minute updates you can give people, okay? Um, and th that's, that's the way. And the incentive is you're not going to get paid, but you're building up your, uh, your place in the, in the attention economy, which I have uh, discussed before, okay? We're transitioning to a world where... Uh, if you've got a lot of attention, if you've got a lot of followers, you can monetize that eventually, okay? Um, the more attention you get in this uh, digital world, uh, the better off you'll probably be in, in the future. Again, and some people, there's very cheap clickbait ways of doing it. And I mean, that's for those people if they want to do that. But if you are a young person, and if you're, even if you're a person in traditional media right now, and you got the energy, start your own, start your own Twitter feed. That's all you need. And you can combine with other people too uh, that are doing it. And you do form alliances and retweet each other and then come up with your own ways to monetize it, okay? Um, because this old way, we don't have to feel bad for the Baltimore Sun that they're going out of business. Let them go out of business, okay? Let them all go out of Cincinnati Inquirer, who knows, Detroit Free Press. I don't even know if these things include Cleveland Plain Dealer. Let them all go. They're not nimble. What I just described is nimble, up to the minute stuff. It is for the youth. You could be a lone wolf reporter out there. 
um, with no bureaucratic overhead or anything like that. You just you, you pay to feed yourself. That, that, that's your, those are your expenses right there. And again, the lone wolves could combine uh, to make their own alliances, uh, get each other on, on each other's YouTube channels, on their Twitter feeds, whatever is going on. The tools are out there. The tools are cheap. The tools are free. And the you can do this locally. I don't, I don't know about a lot of uh, local uh, – in Baltimore, I know some local individuals. They haven't combined forces yet. They're not that well-known. But again, the local, someone with a good Twitter feed um, with, with a video camera, they, they could make it big. They could uh, be uh, more popular than the Baltimore Sun or whatever the equivalent is in, in your city. So again, the modern lesson, you don't need a local paper or TV station credentials to be a legit or successful in the new local news industry. So there, there's some advice right there. Uh, take it from there. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know who pays to see what's behind those paywalls. Uh, when again, you can just you can go on Twitter, people are, everybody's tweeting stuff out. Uh, it's not that organized, but you can find up to the minute stuff all the time in, in, about your local communities. And uh, is it the best information right now? It's okay. That's why there's opportunity in this space for some young enterprising person just to take it to the next level and just make it their thing for a semester off. Or again, a reporter can just quit their darn job at the sun and start, they don't need the Baltimore Sun but they rely on that salary and their union hours and all that is outdated stuff. Welcome to the new economy. You're not going to get taken care of compete. Don't complain. And the people at the sun, the union, all of them, Baltimore sun, they are complaining up the yin yang and people are buying, people are following. Well, we need the sun. You don't need the sun. You'll see in the 2020s, there won't be a sun by the end of the 2020s probably, or it'll be quite different. Uh, and when I say the sun, the Baltimore sun newspaper, 13-minute mark of the following Scott Adams video. First of all, pound that like button, people. Uh, you're at the Beyond Bitcoin show. That's, how we're, that's why we're not talking about Bitcoin now. But Scott Adams says at that 13-minute mark, that he says that Democrats out there are talking about health care. You know, everybody needs health care. We need uh, universal health care. But they, they don't talk about uh, the American diet and reducing the number of people eating themselves to death. And, well, the reason for that is the government is not about personal responsibility. That's not, that's not how they get, get votes. If they, they, they get votes for telling people, we're, we're the magic pill, vote for us. We'll, we'll give you free health care. You can destroy your body. You can eat yourself to death. The simple solution is people take up personal responsibility. If the American diet, if Americans actually cared about what they ate, um, and 80 percenters, a lot of them don't at all, uh, they wouldn't need the free health care. They, the, they wouldn't be going to the doctors. Their health expenses would be cut in half, they would be cut by 80%. Who knows, they'd be cut by an incredible amount. But there's no personal responsibility. We've gotten to such a comfortable level in the West where people don't think they need to take care of themselves anymore. They can do eat, no, it's unfair, I can't eat what, you say I can't eat that? It's unhealthy, no, I'm gonna eat it, I'm gonna eat it. And uh, I'll deal with the consequences later because the government will bail me out and uh, they'll pay for my health. No, dudes, it, it, we, <laughs> uh, there wouldn't be a need for as much health care. People just took personal responsibility and ate healthy. It's a huge thing. And in another video, Scott Adams actually, a previous video to that, and that's why I think he mentioned it in that most recent video, um, that, you know, he, he knows people that, that tell him, you know, I'm depressed, I can't get a job, uh, I, I, I'm not successful, I, I feel horrible about myself. And then he sees what they're eating. And he says to himself, if I ate what you ate, um, I, I'd be in the same situation. And 
he brings up something that is so he says it's, it's obvious, but most people don't realize it. If you're not healthy, you, you have no chance of being successful at all. Okay, you have very very little chance of being successful at least, or being happy, or, 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 or just accomplishing anything. That's the first step. Get and eating is such a big part of being healthy and and being in motion, being healthy. You know, getting some exercise and stuff that that brings up your happiness level also. And that brings up your healthiness level also. So, I mean, that, that's just a, a common tip I think that people have forgotten in life. Like, if you're feeling depressed, if you're feeling down, if you're feeling you have no future, um, what are you eating? Are you just eating horribly every day? Or are you actually getting any exercises? Are you seeing daylight? Take, take those first steps there. Uh, success more likely to come to healthy. It should, it should be obvious. And, uh, you know, healthy equals energy. Um, all right. So... Moving on, what's this study finds? What's this, hurry up, hurry up. Modern patient stress holds lower than ever before, survey finds. Um, patient stress thresholds lower than ever before. Technology, technology is the blame. Survey shows average person grows frustrated after waiting 16 seconds for a web page to load. Uh, so, uh, 25 seconds for a traffic signal to change. Yeah, people cannot defer gratification at all. All right, just, just, just wait, dude, wait, wait. Good things come to those who wait. And we are living in an instant gratification world now, and people are becoming, if you were a patient person, there you go. That's, that's one huge step uh, to, to attaining real wealth, okay? <laughs> it's deferral gratification, but this... This uh, survey shows that uh, it's, it's getting worse and worse for the 80 percenters. They're getting less and less patient. They're in more and more. And again, if you're in a rush all the time, you're going to make mistakes, sometimes deadly mistakes, okay? Take it easy, uh, study things, make a plan, uh, create a system, uh, and, and just long defer gratification, long-term thinking, get into Bitcoin and pound that like button. Uh, so, so in terms of health, I'm, I'm going to experiment with something. I'm going to change my routine a little bit after, if you're doing a little bit of reading and just thinking about it a little bit more, I've, I've told all of you that I, when I am doing my longer fast and that's more than, uh, you know, 41, 44 hours or longer, when you've totally skipped a day of eating that I do my, I do my run still, uh, Sometimes, you know, in the 40 something hour, sometimes in, you know, when they're going real long in the 70 something hour, the 90 something hour, I, I do my runs and I'm not going to do that anymore <laughs> uh, because uh, I was reading some stuff about cortisol levels getting too high uh, when you're doing too much ac athletic activity in a fasted state and that can be bad for you. Uh, and so in the past, Part of my routine is that I'm not willing to not run, uh, you know, not take two days in a row off of running. The most I'll ever take off of running is I'll, I'll skip a day. You know, I usually run four or five days out of the week, but there's never a two-day two gap between runs. Uh, and, and, that's, and because of that rule, I end up sometimes running during a, a pretty hardcore fast. So that's the rule that is changing. Now I'm, uh, I'm, I'm willing to skip uh, two days in a row of running so I don't have to run um, during one of these uh, 
after I, I fasted for a longer period of time. I think, I think it's a good experiment. We'll see what happens. Uh, and, but I'm still running my 20 miles a week. And I do realize that uh, you know, running isn't the best exercise in the world. And what I have heard is that if you run under 25 miles a week, uh, you're not, if you run over 25, you're, you're overdoing it. So I run 20. Um, and I also do my inter inter interval training, which is sprints once a week. So we'll see how it goes. Um, and I'm going to try some, you know, my exercises that I do during the day, sometimes I'm doing them quite fasted, like right before I'm going to eat. And which is, you know, there's a question of, you know, if you haven't eaten for 24 hours, should you be doing some exercises? So I'm going to try to move some of my exercises and maybe some of my runs to right after I eat now um, to, to lessen the amount of exercise that's done on a long, you know, I'll still be doing some exercises and running in a, fasted state uh but i'm gonna i'm gonna try out see um see what the results are you know you gotta you gotta tinker with it a little bit see what the results are of uh doing some act athletic activity much closer to after my meals after my meals so ramping up the athletic activity after my meals some and, and toning it down before the meals all right a little bit just just a little bit shifting it around but that uh, skipping two days in a row of running is, that's important during those longer fasts. And uh, yeah, when I fly back to Baltimore, I'll be doing one of, actually when I speak in uh, Tel Aviv on Tuesday, I'm not gonna eat it all on Tuesday. So that'll be, a, that'll end up being like a 40 some hour fast. So yeah, I'll probably skip two, that'll be the first time I skipped uh, two days in a row of running uh, for the first time in quite some time. So uh, I think, we'll, we'll see how it all works out. Susie Garza, what is this? Oh, here, here's something about universal basic income, people. Here's your universal basic income uh, article. And I'm gonna read you a quote, and it's very important to pay attention to it. Remember, follow me on Twitter at TechBalt. More important than ever, you get the whole ecosystem. I uh, tweet out uh, my podcast-only shows, too. There haven't been that many of those lately, but they, they come and go. All right, Susie Garza has never heard of Yan, Andrew Yang, but since February, she's been getting $500 a month, from a nonprofit Stockton, in Stockton, California, as part of an experiment that offers something unusual in presidential politics, a trial run of a campaign promise, highlighting the benefits and challenges is in real time. Now, first of all, I want to point out that, I mean, Andrew Yang doesn't, he's not doing this experiment, but he is from California. This woman's getting UBI in California. She's never heard of her. That's interesting. Okay, whatever. I guess she's not into politics. That's maybe that's a good thing. Okay, just that's and but but for Andrew Yang, it's a bad thing because you, <laughs> you know that's supposed to be your stronghold, your state that you're from, and the person who's getting, who's like taking participating in something that you're promoting, uh, your your biggest campaign promise. She doesn't even know who the heck you are. Okay, but but besides that, Garza Garza can spend the money however she wants. She uses $150 of it to pay for her cell phone. <laughs> oh my God. All right, you know where I'm getting to here, people. And another $100 or so to pay off her dog's veterinary, veterinarian bills. She has a dog. She spends the rest on her two grandsons now that she can afford to buy them birthday presents online and let them get the big bag of chips at the 7-Eleven. 
Big chips, chips at the 7-Eleven refer back to my, uh, my food comments previously. All right, so first of all, there should be a, a high schools or, or parents offer your kids, you, if you're uh, teaching your kids homeschooling, uh, a class about priorities <laughs> and that children are the most expensive and time consuming things on earth, okay? So this woman is a, a former drug addict apparently, former. She's already got grandkids, so she had, she had kids pretty young. And she, $150 cell phone bill? You know, I have no cell phone bill, as everybody knows. Is that, is that a lot? I don't have a cell phone. So, okay, everyone knows I'm pretty, I've done pretty well with the Bitcoin thing. So we've got this former drug addict who's poor. She's got 100, I mean, it's just the prioritizing stuff. She also has a dog. I tell people don't have a dog. It costs her $100 a month for her dog for vet, to send it to the vet, apparently. $100 bill? <laughs> I mean, this is, this is unbelievable. I mean, people, we're supposed to feel guilty uh, uh, for the poor, that the poor should be able to take from us, that I, I owe the poor something. When they behave this way, this is their choice. This, she doesn't have to have a dog. She doesn't have to have a dog, okay? She doesn't have to have a $150 cell phone plan. <laughs> really, I mean, it, it, there's other, I know, there's those pay-as-you-go plans, okay? You can get at Walmart and stuff. They don't cost $150 a month. Um, and her, her grandsons, yeah, do you have to get your, you can hang out with your grandsons, maybe. I mean, you don't have to get them chips that are going to get them unhealthy, make them obese at 70 years old or whatever, and you know it. So this is, uh, so she's, she's gets, this is what UBI is going, again, this is great. If a private organization wants to do this, that is their prerogative. I think more, pri if private organizations get joy from giving ladies like this $500 a month, be my guest, be my guest. But if we're gonna, <laughs> it is complete and utter theft for UBI to be uh, instituted in the United States while we still have all these other welfare programs going on. Again, if they're gonna get rid of all the welfare programs and replace it with UBI, that's different. But that's not, that is not the plan. That really isn't. He has it written down in some places. Anyway, uh, okay, these are per personal responsibility. Deferral of gratification, this woman didn't need a darn dog. And people are probably saying, oh, you sounded mean, Adam. This is common sense stuff. This is common sense. It's not my fault this woman has no common sense and can't defer gratification. It's not wealthy people's fault that she is poor. It, not at all, not at all. I didn't get her hooked on drugs, she didn't. It's unbelievable. But this is the type of stuff that makes people feel guilty. Oh, she's so they don't actually like examine the numbers there. Those numbers are overwhelming numbers. They're just in back there. To me, it's just shameful. It's shameful. And uh, again, we live in a society where victims like her are glorified and uh, success is shame. Success, no, not on this channel. Pound that like button. We're going to get more into that in a second. So Robert Mugabe is dead. <clears throat> All right. So um, he was the leader of Zimbabwe for quite some time. And I actually found that out today. I guess it hasn't been around. Uh, maybe I wasn't paying. Who knows? Um, but it died on Friday, was it? I don't, it wasn't Saturday. So Mugabe is dead. He died in Singapore, you know, because so many Zimbabweans can afford to fly to Singapore to get their health taken care of. Yeah. Um, and, and it's a, he can because, you know, he, he stole. <laughs> he died in Singapore. He was 95 years old. And uh, Piers Morgan, of all people, had this tweet. It sums it up pretty well. 
Uh, and again, Morgan is a pretty lefty type of person. There are a lot of, you wouldn't think that a person like this would say what I'm about to read here. Mugabe was a vile and ruthless dictator who terrorized his own people and ruined Zimbabwe. <laughs> That's his legacy. The fact he's your hero says all we need to know about you. So that tweet is linked below. Some guy was saying that Mugabe was his hero. You know, Mugabe was a Marxist. Mugabe, uh, you know, he stole, he thought it was good to steal from the wealthy to give to the poor. It didn't end up too well over there. Now, now the, the scary thing is, is that economically now, the new economic policies of these new leaders that took Mugabe's place, because again, Mugabe just died, but he got kicked out in 2017. Um, these new guys, they're worse than him economically. They're printing money again. It's, un, it's unbelievable. I mean, I, my Bitcoin friends in Zimbabwe, I have no idea why you stayed there. That's the point of Bitcoin, to get out of situations like this. And again, there's some beautiful aspects of Zimbabwe. I was there in 2016. Uh, Tawanda Kembo is, of course, the most famous uh, Zimbabwean uh, a Bitcoiner who's been on the show many a time. Um, and... It's funny, when I was there in Zimbabwe, in Harare, in uh, November of 2016, and after the conference, I, I, want, I definitely wanted to go home. And I, I was thinking to myself, uh, you know, what, what if Mugabe dies when I'm here? They will shut this whole country down. I'm not going to be able to get home. And it was, oddly enough, like the day I left Zimbabwe, uh, Fidel Castro died. <laughs> and... Uh, and, it's, and a year after I left, almost exactly a year after I left Zimbabwe, was the coup to take care of, to take Mugabe out. So Castro died the day I left, uh, uh, which is like the equivalent of Mugabe in, in Cuba. And it, they shut down Cuba, no doubt, that day. Uh, probably was hard to get out of Cuba that day if you were a, a tourist or, or whatever. But uh, the, I mentioned on my show, on my, you can go to the archives and you can read in the comment section, on a freaking Bitcoin show, I was saying that I was happy that Castro was gone, that he was deceased, because you know he had stolen from so many people. And there were people in the comments section you're saying that I was a horrible person and that Castro supported the people. Again, steal, stealing from the wealthy, the mean, horrible, wealthy people. And they, he stole. He stole from them. He, and he killed, he killed wealthy people just because they're wealthy. It's terrible. It's, it's complete discrimination against against wealthy people. It was, that's the way the world, that's people's uh, so-called morals these days. You know, if you're saying you're helping out the victims, uh, then you're good, you can do anything. You can, you can kill wealthy people apparently, uh, and, and people will love you. So little, you know, those, those two dudes are always intertwined in my mind uh, because of my experiences uh, in Zimbabwe. Uh, I, I was watching the great Henry Abramson, who does these Jewish videos, Jewish history videos. Uh, and I linked to his channel. I mentioned it last week, his channel. I linked to his channel again. He, he's, he's a good dude. And um, he says that Jews, Jewish people are resilient. And I, I thought, you know, that is, that is a great, uh, that is a great way of uh, summing up the Jewish people. You know, they take a licking and they keep on ticking, baby. We You cannot... You know, we've been through a lot and uh, just keep bouncing back. And Mark Twain had that, uh, I think it was, he had that famous quote. Uh, I wish I, maybe I'll, I'll link to it below. I'll have to find it. Uh, what is the secret of their ways or something? Uh, he 
he talks about how like throughout time, so many empires have come and gone, uh, but the Jewish people remain, that they, they've beaten them all in terms of surviving them all. You know, the Roman Empire, the Greek Empire, these tremendous empires, uh, the, 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 the Spanish in 1492, so much more powerful, and they have all disappeared. And yet, the, the, what is the secret of the Jewish? It's the resilience. I, I don't know, man. There's a, uh, but I thought that was a good, a good, a good word when you were talking about Jewish people. Resilient. Good, good word there, uh, Henry Averson. So, Yaron Brook, on, on a related topic, um, he has a, a little quick little video about Israel, because Yaron Brook is from Israel uh, originally. And he, gives a, he is not a religious man at all. He's anti religious, Yaron uh, Brook. And he gives a very uh, interesting secular reason uh, for Israel. And he talks about the uh, 1967 war and how before the 1967 war, uh, all these countries in Europe, they loved Israel because Israel was the victim. Israel is made up of these Jewish people that were almost destroyed in Europe and they were so weak and they, were, they felt bad for them. But then in 1967, Israel defeated five Arab countries in, in six days, in the Six Day War in like uh, a biblical type of battle. I mean, you defeat five enemies in six days and increase the size of your country by like four times in six freaking days. And uh, after that though, so Israel was strong. Israel was a huge, it was an unbelievable victory. I mean, I've talked to people in Israel who were alive then. They were preparing for like, they thought they were gonna be overwhelmed. They thought it was the end. Because again, Jewish people of that era you know, they've been kicked out of every single country before already. So why not? They thought, well, what, what? now we're going to get kicked out of Israel because we're about to lose this war. You know, all the Arab countries are going to destroy us here. We've got nothing. And uh, so they, <laughs> they were prepared to be kicked out of Israel at that point. But then there was this, everything switched. There was a, a, a tremendous, I mean, you can look it up. And I, it's, it's, they defeated them all. And, and it was amazing. And, uh, but so then the European countries were like, wait a second here. These guys are a huge victory. Uh, they're not the victims anymore. They're, they're not victims, so we don't like them anymore. And that is when things did start. If you, Iran Brook makes a good point. The attitudes of the world toward Israel changed after 1967. It really changed because you couldn't say that these were a bunch of people, skinny people who came out of Europe, were starving and whatever, and were almost destroyed. They were, they destroyed, <laughs> they just, it was tremendous what they did, uh, it's a six-day victory. So since then, uh, Israel, you know, it's, you know, Israel is strong, Israel is successful, Israel uh, has, has built a technological marvel out of nothing in the desert, and so they're to be hated. <laughs> and the other people, no matter, no matter what the other people do, they are the victims, uh, we should feel bad for them, they are the true, you know, they're the, they're, they're the one. So the reason the European countries liked Israel in the first place, that wasn't a good reason to like them. That was a terrible reason to like Israel. That's a terrible reason because they were, they felt they were victims. Israel was the, and they weren't victims. It just in, in the European or the Western mindset, it appeared that they were victims. The people in this country, there are no victims. <laughs> I, I will tell you that. There is not, there is not a victim mentality here. And, uh, you know, that there is, because it is this, liberal type of uh, government and everything, they do, they succumb to the same things that Western people do, all this guilt, all this guilt of success shaming, but there's a core people that, you know, they're not gonna, they're gonna ignore that stuff and they're gonna be successful. Just like in the United States, we've got a core people that don't put up with all this politically correct nonsense, you know, you gotta hate yourself, you gotta, you, success shaming is awesome, victim glorification is, is great. Now that's, 
Um, you know, Europe is, is getting worse and worse. That, that's becoming bigger and bigger. And in America, that's becoming bigger and bigger also. Um, but there's still a core. You know, as long as there's a, a, a group of people out there that are trying, that know that success shouldn't be shamed, even if it's just 20% of the people, things are all right, okay? Think things are all right. So there, there's not, Yaron Brooks' video is very good. So I'm gonna end it. Uh, you know, we're talking about conviction <laughs> and uh, sticking around. It was uh, 24 years ago yesterday, on September the 6th, 1995, Cal Ripken Jr. in Baltimore, Maryland, broke Lou Gehrig's uh, consecutive games played record. Uh, he, he played in his 2,131st consecutive baseball game. He did not take a day off um, from 1982, and it actually extended past 1995. But at that point, it was 1990. It was uh, he played every game from you know, at some point in 1982 to that point in it actually lasted until 98, I believe. Um, and it's it's yeah, I linked to uh, a video of when he hit a home run. Uh, during that game. It was something I remember very, very vividly from, from my youth. It was such a huge thing. And it was an example, you know, sports can be kind of nonsense, obviously. But, but that, that thing that he did, first of all, it was, it was supposedly an unbreakable record. No one would ever be able to break Lou Gehrig's record. And, you know, never say never, I guess. And that, you know, aim high, aim high. And he, he definitely aimed high. Uh, and we should have big dreams like that. But it also was a testament to his conviction and, and hard work and, uh, and conviction and uh, commitment, conviction, I'm saying all sorts of words. Uh, so there's a lot of, uh, as a youth in Baltimore, I think that did, uh, a part of that definitely stuck with me, you know, just keep on going, do it every day, every day, every day. So that's, that's why I like the system thing, you know, and my system is make a new video every day. Maybe that, you know, obviously my parents inspired me a great deal more than that. But that's something in popular culture that uh, definitely uh, stuck with me too. Uh, so that is uh, 24 years ago yesterday. And every, everybody that was a young person in, in Baltimore and an old person in Baltimore uh, remembers that, uh, that uh, time very, very well. Uh, there was a lot of, uh, I guess, a lot of Baltimore pride back then. All right, uh, I'm Adam Meister. But remember, you're an individual. Be proud of yourself, dude. You can, you can have a, your own consecutive game streak or something like that. I'm Adam Meister with Bitcoin Motion Disrupt Meister. Remember to subscribe to the channel, like this video, share this video. Check out the links below. Pound that like button. Bang that bell button. Click on all those squares. See you dudes later.